Yeah, it's, it kind of goes back to the, the build it and forget about it. Like the email list, like your website and your email list go hand in hand. You mm-hmm. can't you know, build the website, never update it and expect people to shop on the website. Um, and you can't expect people to use that 20% off or whatever you're enticing them to do through your email list. If you're not going to be um, popping up, you know, at least I like to say twice uh, in the month and saying, hey, this is something new with our brand or hey, how are things going with you through your email list? Like you can't just forget about the people mm. on your email list. Um, you want to make them feel like they're valued because, you know, pe- uh, like businesses are made up of people. So if you're not valuing those people on your email list, valuing the people going to your website, then you can't expect to make sales. Um, it just it doesn't work that way. Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Diana Simpson from Simpson's Web Design about maximizing e-commerce sales through strategic website design. We're getting back to the basics. We're talking about website design. But before we dive into our conversation, let me share with you a podcast pick, a previous episode that I think you're going to enjoy. Check out my amazing episode with the wonderful Reese Spikerman uh, on how to create a killer about page that converts. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. Reese is an absolute legend. Uh, And then how to get traffic that buys to your website by another legend. Uh, Chloe Thomas, oh, the women are killing it today. Oh yeah. So uh, check out those podcast picks. You can access our podcast picks and our entire podcast archive for free on our website at ecommercepodcast.net. Plus, if you sign up for our newsletter, we'll send you the links to the podcast picks along with the notes and the links from our conversations all straight to your inbox at no cost to you. No spam, no messing, no hassle. It's just amazing stuff. So make sure you sign up for that. Now, I'm sure you've come across a bunch of folks stuck with their e-commerce website. Or maybe they've just got siloed into working on one or two areas of their business and miss the big picture. Well, enter e-commerce cohort to solve this particular problem. It's a lightweight membership group with guided monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-commerce. The sole purpose of cohort is to provide you with clear, actionable jobs to be done so you'll know what to work on with the support to get it done. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you're a well-established e-commercer or a bit of a dinosaur like me is probably a better way to put it, I encourage you to definitely check out e-commerce cohort dot com that's ecommercecohort.com or you can email me directly matt at ecommercepodcast.net with any questions and i'll try my level best to answer them for you so that's today's show sponsor let's talk about today's guest diana a web designer for product-based businesses who hails from the sunny south of georgia now when she's not on her tech grind she's out and about soaking up the sun and sharing giggles with her sprightly toddler who we may hear from during the conversation uh, oh yes uh, so diana welcome to the show great to have you how are we doing today 
Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I am having an awesome day. Uh, just happy to be here. I tune into your uh, e-commerce podcast, so super happy to be able to share some of my uh, information with your listeners. Oh, well, it's lovely to have a listener on the show uh, and uh, and talk to you, good self. Now, uh, you, it said in the bio that you're from sunny Georgia, but actually you're in Florida today, uh, is what you're saying. Are you down there on vacation? Yes, I am down here on vacation slash work trip. Uh, my husband is on a work trip and my son and I are on vacation. So nice. it's lovely this week. Yeah, fantastic. Getting a bit of R&R, which is lovely. How old is your son? He is two years old. Oh, wow. The terrible twos. Or is it the tangly twos? Because, you know, our kids, they, uh, I appreciate this is not anything to do with e-commerce. We'll get into e-commerce in a little minute. But our kids, when they were two, were absolutely brilliant. Uh, it was the first two years where my daughter was an absolute nightmare. But everybody else was pretty good. And then when the twos hit, everything was downhill from there. So it was great. I never experienced the terrible twos. So hopefully you'll be like me and not have to go through all of that, you know. Yeah, I feel like I'm going through it a little bit. Uh, he is definitely a little bit of a, has his own personality, throws a tantrum, <laughs> doesn't get his own way. Uh, but I think don't that goes all, with- Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I think I still do that, and it was a long time since I was two. Uh, but listen, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, no doubt we'll be hearing from your son in the background uh, as you're enjoying your vacation time. Thanks for squeezing us in. So let's jump into this. How did you get started in website design? Yeah, so I never really thought I would be doing this for uh, as a business, as a career. I was in the banking industry, so I was a banker for uh, two years and just in the finance industry for five years. Uh, but I really just wanted something that fused design and tech together. Um, having had my son in 2020, I didn't want to go back to the banking world. Uh, and just wanted to try something new. So I started my own business, uh, kind of just offering here and that, uh, not really focusing on uh, specifically websites until I hmm. worked on a specific project and I just fell in love with uh, websites. And uh, then I noticed that I was working with mainly product-based businesses uh, and I niched even further with uh, working with Shopify. Um, so yeah, I started my business in April 2021, and it's been really fun, uh, like hardships and fun times, like any other entrepreneur. But it's it's been fun. So April 2021 is quite a new business, isn't it? Really, um, I, I say new. It's it's a, in the digital space. Anything over two months is 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 pretty old, isn't it? Really, but um, but for a few, you've been doing Shopify then for a few years. What sort of things have you figured out during those two years? I mean, you've obviously you've obviously learned a lot of lessons going through what you've gone through, working with product-based businesses. What are some of the common themes or common, maybe common problems you see people making over and over again that you're, you're always hitting? So a lot of times uh, clients or potentials will come to me and focus on like one area of their website. And mm -hmm. that's not really a problem. Like you do want to start with something and not get overwhelmed, uh, but they don't realize that the website is composed by all of the things, like all the pages, not just the home page, not just the product page. Um, and then 
they tend to kind of just want to focus on one task and then uh, optimize it and then wonder why the website isn't working. Uh, so I like to tell folks that it is a long-term uh, project. Like you always have to be optimizing and updating your website. Uh, it's not something that you build and like people are going to come to your shop and shop automatically. So you have to keep optimizing it. Um, but you do have to have a strategy in order to really drive people to your website and get people to buy from you. Mm -hmm. Because if you like a lot of people DIY their website, which is not a problem when you're starting out. But if you DIY it, DIY the website with the point of view of let me just create the website, no plan, no strategy then it's not going to work um, as well as you want it to. So it's not going to drive the sales. Um, so I would think the biggest pain point is not having a plan from the get-go and then re later realizing that their their website is lacking something, which started off with the planning and the strategy. Um, and by what I mean by that is like, who is their target audience? And then asking questions about, you know, what is different about their product and why do people care? Um, mm. Because, you know, there's a ton of products out there. People want to know why they should care about your product and why they should buy it. Um, so those are two main things that uh, a lot of product-based businesses don't know when they're fairly new. Mm. And even sometimes when they've been in business for a while, they still kind of have these, uh, the pain points of not knowing who they're selling to. Yeah, that oh, dropping my pen in the background. There. Uh, it's, uh, there's a lot to what you said there, Diana. And I, let me just come back and pick on a few few of the points if I can. This idea that your website is not a one-term project, but it, you have to keep optimizing it. You, you've got to start somewhere. You've definitely got to start, uh, and you've definitely got to begin. And you can have what the, what the industry likes to term the MVP, the minimum viable product. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be pretty reasonable. Um, and that's actually not hard to do with a Shopify website, is it? It's pretty reasonable to get something quite basic, uh, pretty easy to get something quite basic and reasonable. Um, but I liked what you said about this idea of keep optimizing it. It was for us um, in my own e-com journey. One of the things I realized was that we would do a major redesign every two years. Um, and this was just something that I budgeted for because technology will move on so rapidly that what you design now in two years time, you're probably, you know, you're going to have to think about some of the form like now, you know, Apple's released the VR head goggles. So somehow we're going to have to tie websites into that at some point, I'm fairly sure. Um, so you've got all these things going on. So we always planned and we still do plan to have a pretty big, robust site update every two years. But... It doesn't mean for those two years we don't do anything. Um, there's constant iterations and changes, and so we're probably updating the site on a weekly basis. Now, bear in mind, my site's not a Shopify site. We don't do Shopify sites, not because I'm against Shopify. I just have my own platform, which I really like. Um, and the team have developed and they work on it and they know how to make it work, which is great. So we, at the moment, we have our own platform. Um, I'm super, I'm, I, I, and I, I kind of, I get what you're saying about this constant iteration. That's what we do, the constant iteration, the redesign every two years. I am intrigued how you came to the, this 
understanding of, you know, where you said you've not got a plan from the get-go, um, you need to think about who your target audience is and what makes your product stand out to your audience. What have you, I guess, what have you experienced that's made you realize actually these are really critical, important parts and where, where are people missing it, do you think? on where, where do you typically see people missing it and what what's the implications of that on their website? So I guess because of the conversations that I've had with some potentials and then also with clients, um, for example, the latest project that I did, uh, she was struggling with knowing who her target audience was because of the way her product is. She sells pestimals. Uh, and so there's a lot of other boutiques or stores that sell, you know, Turkish towels. Mm -hmm. So um, the product isn't unique, but the mission behind it is unique. So she uh, donates to uh, breast cancer patients and really focuses on like women and how to help women when they're going through these uh, breast cancer journeys. Um, and so she wanted to really focus on that and um, sell the mission and the value versus just selling the product. Mm -hmm. And she really didn't know how to do that. Uh, she was kind of concerned about uh, focusing on a target audience because she thought she was going to miss out on the other uh, buyers or the other people that weren't, you know, women and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like in the e-commerce space, you can't attract everybody like it's one of those famous sayings. Uh, if you, you know, sell to, or if you talk to everyone, you're really not talking to anybody. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those things where we had to ask deeper questions, like, you know, the mission, the values, uh, what her brand was all about, and even go into like brand identity, um, which I really feel like when you're designing a website, that should be the first thing that you do is have a well thought out and um, not just the visuals, but brand strategy uh, mm -hmm. behind that so that the website actually works and that it all flows together. Because if you don't have a well-established brand identity, uh, everything else kind of is so much harder to do, yeah. even yeah. marketing and all of that. And I know that's a completely different conversation, but I do feel like uh, brand identity has a lot to do with um, creating a website that really works for you. Yeah, again, I, 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 that's very wise. And um, I think for me, when, you know, when people talk about competing with Amazon, how do you compete with Amazon when Amazon sells the same product as you? You know, you may sell it cheaper, but people are gonna buy from Amazon because of Amazon Prime, blah, blah, blah. Um, the one thing Amazon can't do uh, it seems, uh, as best as I can tell, uh, is they can't copy your story. Um, they don't have your vision, they don't have your values, they don't have your story, they don't have what's authentically you. Um, and I, 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 I love what you said there about um, about the for the, the the lady with the, was it Turkish towels? Did you say the product wasn't yeah. unique? The mission behind the product was unique, and so positioning her brand to tell her unique story um, is super, super critical. And I, and, and I think if you're listening to the show and you have a site where you're selling a, um, a product which is common to many sites, you stand out on your mission, on your story, on your brand identity, don't you? That's how you differentiate. That's what we did in the beauty space for years. 
um, how do we differentiate? Well, we, we just had a very different look, feel and brand story. We, we sort of told our story in a different way. And that worked really well for us. Um, that works super, super well. And so I love that. I love uh, how the mission is unique, even if the product isn't. So how did you help this lady position that story on her website? How did you, what was some of the, I guess if, I, I guess the reason I'm asking this, Diana, is because there's going to be people listening to the show who are just starting out and setting up, who are going to go, I don't know what a brand identity is. Um, I'm selling a product maybe that some other websites are selling. So how do I... How do I tell my missional story in a way that's attractive to my target audience? So we started asking questions that were targeted to um, bring out some deeper understanding. So some of the questions we asked were like, who would you um, sell the product to? Like, obviously, but then why would you sell it? Why do mm. you feel like this is important to have as your brand story um, because a lot of times uh, people don't really know why until they start exploring um, realizing like maybe you know I have a deeper desire to position this product in the market because of this reason because you know she went through uh, that same journey herself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so she was really passionate about that uh so therefore she could really show the brand story uh for her product that way um and then another thing that we did is we also researched the market so what other boutiques were already out there that sold turkish towels um and there's a lot so yeah. uh you know and from there we started noticing that people were only targeting people that were visiting the, the beach, like, you know, sunny areas, uh, nothing really towards women, uh, nothing that was really had a, a mission. Um, so I think the first step would be to research also um, in the market mm. and see if your product already exists in the market, mm. do some research and try to gather insights on, you know, what are they doing and how can you do it different? Who can you target that nobody else has targeted? Or if they have, how can they? How can you do it different? Mm. Yeah, it's a very good. Um, it's a, another very good point. I, and again, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's one of those things that we get in such a rush to get the website up and running, um, especially in the early days. We doing the research becomes problematic. Um, and then if you if you sort of if you do that without doing the research and you sort of stumble across something that works and you start to become sort of semi-successful, you understand I'm talking from experience here. Um, you start to become semi-successful, then you're too busy to do the research anyway. And why do you need to do research? Because you're sort of semi-successful. But actually sitting down and trying to figure out more information about your customers and what their story is, how it relates to you, what they're interested in, what they're not interested in where they shop, what kind of places they eat at, what kind of clothes they wear, um, what kind of brands they connect with. I mean, all of these things are super, super important, right? So how did you, how did you do that research? You said you researched, um, you saw that some of her competitors were advertising specifically to people going to the beach in sunny places. How did you figure that out? Um, and what other type of research did you do um, on her competitors? 
Uh, we really just went through like a um, research on like Google. Uh, so I typing in Pissimal Boutique and mm. seeing came up, uh, which the first ones were wholesalers. So that was like a big one. There was a lot of wholesale companies that were selling the Turkish towels. Um, and then the next one was like, you know, actual boutiques that were selling the the towels. But once again, they were targeting people going to the beach. Like, you mm-hmm. know, this, this is the use for the towel, which, uh, you know, is very common. People go to the beach, they need a towel. But the way that my client was wanting to position it and we position it this way is that she wanted the pessimal to be as a symbol for women to embrace themselves. So mm-hmm. like the pessimal could be worn um, to make them feel more confident after having gone through the breast cancer um, surgeries okay. and all yeah. of that. Oh, wow. That's uh, and again, there's a unique story in that, isn't there? And 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 figuring that out. That's that's awesome. So, just going back, one of the things that you said that I I wanted to pick up on, uh, and again, not to pick on the lady with the Turkish towels, but there's some there's some good lessons here that I'm quite enjoying talking about, because this is old school um, e-commerce. This is the sort of e-commerce 101, right? Which um, I think too many people sort of skip this part uh, and go to the nice shiny bits, like give me the latest marketing thing. Um, the thing that you mentioned, which I thought was super in- interesting, was how um, how there was a fear to niche down, um, both in in her target audience. So you know, like you say, you can't sell everybody. If you try and sell everybody, you you won't sell to anybody, kind of thing. Um, and this is a constant thing that I see uh, in a lot of conversations I have. The fear to niche down to something quite specific and focus on a specific um, product. For those listening who are trying to sell everybody and therefore not selling anybody and they're not really niching down, what advice would you give? I would say that you don't specifically have to niche down to like a target audience. Um, there's different ways that you can niche down. This just happened to be her way of niching down. Um, so you can niche down by the type of products that you offer. Um, like if you're just niching down into the beauty space, you can do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to niche down by the way that your product is made, like if it's eco-friendly, is it you know ethical? Um, that's also another way that you can niche down. So there's so many ways that you can niche down, but it's really what makes sense to your brand and your product and what's going to be um, the most beneficial to get eyes on your product and that you feel aligns with your mission and values Mm. is the way that a lot of people need to be um, targeting the way like they niche down. That's that's what they need to be thinking about. What makes sense for their brand uh, and their mission and their values. Okay. And so uh, what are the, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be from the lady with the Turkish tales, although I'm quite intrigued now. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by her story. Um, what are the things have you seen uh, people do on their websites that are a bit of a big no-no that aren't really helping them? So... 
I would start with the header, um, mm -hmm. which is like the above the fold when people land on the homepage, if they land on the homepage. Um, all they have is a picture uh, of the product, but they don't have anything that describes who the product is for, uh, why people kind of give the experience of what they want to make their customers feel when they purchase a product mm -hmm. um, and then having the call to action to shop now um, and then even offering some incentives to to shop with them and mm -hmm. I'm not talking about bombarding them with pop-ups because I personally don't like having every page with a pop-up here pop-up there but yep. like having incentives like hey buy one get one free like on that header image and mm -hmm. updating it um, constantly uh, because like I said before, some people like build the website and then they never um, update it with like the latest sales or something that keeps their customers coming back, you know, interested mm. in shopping with them. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the hero section on the homepage, the most viewed section on anybody's website um, in a lot of ways, especially with organic, but it's one of those where um, <clears throat> well, you're right. I don't. Excuse me. One sec. Excuse me. Just getting a bit of a bit of a frog in my throat. Um, so with the homepage, you kind of see that. I get that you're. What you're saying is that a lot of homepages are stagnant, aren't they? They sort of they they set it and forget it, uh, and they're not updating on a regular basis. Especially that hero section, the first fold above the screen, which is like I say, it's one of the most visited areas. And so, if you're returning visitors, that becomes quite an important part to sort of you know pique their curiosity and get them interested in what's going on. What sort of things have you seen work well in the hero section? I would say having like. That the most popular ones that I've seen is like using it as um, gifts. So G I F. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, yeah, where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have. It's actually a video. Um, mm. So if it it keeps playing, um, which it can be a good thing and a bad thing. So mm -hmm. if it the video is too. Um, the sizing is not right, then it can be heavy on the website and it, yeah. you know, down, but it can be helpful because it catches people's attention. Like it, it just keeps playing. Um, mm. and then as, uh, like the section talking about the product, um, mm. like it makes you want to, you know, look and see what their product is about. Like it's different. Not, not a lot of websites have that. Mm -hmm. So that would be something that people could, you know, use for their own advantage to get mm -hmm. people to shop. And then another thing would be um, like having on the on the header. Um, I don't think I've seen a lot of these, but having like a little uh, underneath the hero section where they can offer like a freebie um, so people can sign up to their email list because mm -hmm. um, then th that way they're getting people on their email list and um, they can like target them to shop with them. So. Very good. I, I'm, I'm intrigued and interested by the idea of the video gifts. I, and when you were talking about it, I was smiling because uh, you are way too young for this, Dinah, but I'm not, unfortunately. I remember in the 90s, in the late 90s, um, 
we were using GIFs on websites uh, in the, you know, like little dancing plants and stuff like this, um, because it was the only form of animation that we could do. And it was just, it was intriguing. And I'm just, rem if, if, you, if you're listening to the show and you're of a certain age, you'll, you'll be able to picture some of these things in your head and you're just going to smile back, you know, to how website design was in the 90s with the little animated GIFs. Of course, technology has moved on quite a bit quicker now. And the, the reason this intrigues me, the, the video gifts, because I have seen it actually, I've seen it done badly and I've seen it done well. And um, I think you're right. I think it does capture your imagination, especially because it was a rage a few years ago was to add on your hero section of video background. So something like Athletic Greens, for example, has quite an interesting video background on their hero section. But those video backgrounds for the, even now still don't really play on mo a lot of mobile devices. Um, it was really only desktop. And then as, um, as desktop has sort of fallen in popularity and mobile devices have risen, people have sort of steered away from those video backgrounds because what's the point? They're not gonna show on the mobile. But with the, the GIFs, a lot of, like 99% of those could potentially show on a mobile device, whereas the videos couldn't. And so, um, yes, I, I think this is an intriguing idea and I, I wonder if we will start seeing it more and more. Like you say, my only, my only reservation is, does it slow the site down? Which even in a world of crazy fast broadband is still a big deal, especially on mobile. Google are monitoring that. It's a real big issue for them in terms of site speed. So, um, so I like that, love that, think that's great. Um, the offering a freebie to get on your email, we did that. I can tell you definitely stories about that. Uh, when we did the beauty business, we offered free samples. Uh, you could choose any, and it was just like our onboarding. It's like, we know you're not ready to buy now, uh, but we know you're interested in what we've got. So, you know, let's, I'll give you an easy way for you to give me your email and address uh, is, is in effect what it was. Um, although we did, we gave them free samples, but we did charge for delivery. Um, so we did have a small sort of fee involved um, as a little qualifier. Um, but it did work really well, actually. We got a lot of good leads just doing that. So I think that's a great idea as well. Loving all these ideas, Diana, loving them all. They're, they're super, super good. And again, coming back to something you said earlier, um, you reminded me of a chap called Don Miller. I don't know if you've ever come across Don Miller. Um, don't think I have. Don Miller, who is, he heads up StoryBrand. At least that's what it used to be called. I don't know if he's changed his name, but StoryBrand was really interesting because he said the hero section of a website within inside of five seconds has to answer uh, three questions, which he called the grunt test, uh, which was a fascinating thing. And the grunt test was you, you, you should be able to show somebody your website, five seconds later, close the screen, and they need to be able to answer three questions. What is it you sell? How's it going to benefit me? How do I get started? Right. Those were the sort of the three questions, which was what you mentioned. Um, your hero say I, I wrote it down here. Your your hero section it needs to clearly answer who it's for, um, what it is they're going to feel, what uh, what benefits they're going to get from using the product, and having a clear call to action. And I agree on the no pop-ups, please, ladies and gentlemen. No more pop-ups. We don't need them. In fact, we just don't need them. We, do, we don't. We could cancel them. There could be a law which barred them and I would be happy with that because that would be a beautiful thing. Um, so uh, loving that uh, information there on the on the header section. Anything else on there? Anything you want? Anything else you've missed or you, you want to throw in there or, or shall we move on to the next bit? Um, I think that was all for the hero section. Um, 
those were like my little few tips there. Few tips. Okay, so what's after the hero section? So I would say that the other thing that people sometimes miss when they're uh, DIYing their website is the like they bombard the homepage with like bestsellers, and sometimes you know those products may not be the bestsellers. Mm. Um, <laughs> the stock which we're trying to get rid of, and everybody yeah. knows it. This is the stock that nobody else wants to buy. We're going to put it in the bestseller category and hope you'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know the one you mean. And like, there's nothing wrong specifically with that, but like, they don't really have an add to cart or buy now, mm. uh, or sometimes it's just a product by itself. Um, not really a lot of context as to what the product is. Mm. And again, sometimes people will just scroll right through it because they don't know, you know, why it's a bestseller. Um, and then another thing would be the email opt-in forms. Um, like if you're just saying sign up to my you know newsletter um you know why do people need to sign up like what are you offering them what are you giving you know a 20 percent discount which i also have a reservation for that because a lot mm -hmm. of are now using that so you have to come like get more creative with it so that people will actually sign up to your email list yeah yeah absolutely not just get 20 percent off your first time. what we found actually is um, if you put things on your website like 20% off your first order um, a lot of existing customers so returning customers come into your website that have purchased from you in the past get pretty annoyed by this because you're you're giving an, um, value to the first time customer but it feels like you're not valuing your returning customer like well they get 20% off but I don't but this is the fifth time I've ordered so surely something's wrong somewhere and we noticed actually uh, when we used to do that we got um, more and more customer service emails from customers going how do I get a discount what about me um, or you know they'd go set up yet another free Google email so I wasn't really growing up growing my email this is the same customers five bloody emails and um, because they were all at the same address and so um, so it's really interesting to see how how people then started to try and play the system. And so I just felt like it wasn't working and it has become a thing now which people have become blind to, that give me your email address and get 10% off your first order. Um, and actually now if I go to a website, I just close it knowing full well if I am gonna buy something from that website, I can go back and get that pop-up to reopen. But in the first instance, it's just a bit annoying. Um, but you know, we had a long conversations about this, about actually taking that off the site and then focusing on giving value to returning customers um, and finding another way to give an incentive to new visiting customers, but giving more value to returning customers, um, uh, you know, to increase our average order value and customer order frequency numbers. That on the whole as a strategy made a lot of sense to me and it worked very well and it still does work very well. Um, but, you know, not just, throwing something on there because you're like, oh, it's on somebody else's website, therefore it should be on mine, you know, the sort of 10% off to get your email. The other thing, of course, with this, uh, Diana, maybe you can speak to this actually, is they, the amount of websites that go to the effort, say, give me your email and I'll give you 10% off, and then don't do anything with that email. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing on the, like on the actual email, mm -hmm. yeah. 
it's like you're not introducing yourself to your audience like they don't know what you're about what your brand is about so personalizing it uh the email itself and then making them feel like hey we know you we know you want this product come and shop with us um yeah i totally agree with that yeah it's fascinating isn't it it's just that Oh, here's your ten percent off coupon. But then the amount of people I've because I monitor it because I'm I'm obviously I'm I'm a bit weird like this. But I'm I sign up to things on email and then I want to see what the sequences are that they send me afterwards. Is there anything that I can learn from this? What did I like about it? What did I not like about it? And the amount of them you set up and they give you the code and that's it. You never you just never hear from these people and you think what a wasted opportunity. Um, especially if they give me a code and I've not used it. You know, it's kind of like, well, hang on, maybe I should email them a few days later and follow up. Hey, did you get your code? Is everything okay? Have you got any questions? You know, those kind of things. Um, so that always uh, intrigues me uh, in a lot of ways. Um, is the, So I, I think you're right, the email sign up. For, for me, and I'll, I'm, I've mentioned this before, it's, it's a, but it's something that I think I'll keep on mentioning because I think it's still important. It, in e-commerce, your primary aim of that website is to get somebody to buy your product, right? The whole reason the website is there is to get somebody to buy your product. If they're not gonna buy your product, the second aim, the second primary aim of your website, the very next thing should be to try and get their email address, right? That, this is my opinion, you know. Um, so the, the transitional call to action, the secondary call to action, whatever you wanna call it, this, um, the tertiary call to action, the primary call is always to sell. If they're not ready to buy, get their email address and be creative in ways to do that. And then be creative in how you communicate because you can onboard really well, can't you, with that strategy. Um, that, I think, has worked for me very, very well over the years. And I think that's probably what you're alluding to here, isn't it, with the sign-up forms. It's like, if you can't get the sale, do something well to get their email address. Yeah, it's, it kind of goes back to the, the build it and forget about it. Like the email list, like your website and your email list go hand in hand. You mm -hmm. can't you know, build the website, never update it and expect people to shop on the website. Um, and you can't expect people to use that 20% off or whatever you're enticing them to do through your email list. If you're not going to be um, popping up, you know, at least. I like to say twice uh, in the month and saying, hey, this is something new with our brand or hey, how are things going with you through your email list? Like you can't just forget about the people mm. on your email list. Um, you want to make them feel like they're valued because, you know, uh, like businesses are made up of people. So if you're not valuing those people on your email list, valuing the people going to your website, then you can't expect to make sales. Um, it just it doesn't work that way yeah no i totally agree with you i totally agree with you so uh we've talked a lot about the you know the first page we've talked about the header we've talked about the email sign up we've talked about the call to action um let's talk a little bit about the product page uh for a minute uh diana what sort of things do you think people can do to improve their product page so some of the things, and this is actually, um, I have like a little freebie um, on my website, uh, how to optimize your product page. Mm -hmm. So the main thing would be not to overwhelm them with all the information like front and center. You always want to start slowly. So start off with the product description, 
the name of the product, the image of the product, and then uh, slowly start talking about the benefits, uh, why people should use it, and then add in um, a call to action to add to cart, give them some payment options. Uh, like that's another pet peeve of mine. If they don't have payment options on that product page, I'm most likely going to click click out of the website because mm. I don't want to grab my wallet to make the purchase. Yeah. So have different payment options like, you know, PayPal, Google Pay, like the ones that make sense to your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also um, like have the testimonials of people who have purchased before because nine times out of 10, people want to know what the experience was, uh, what the product is really like. So having that um, and, and then another thing is not just having the testimonials, like just testimonials, here they are, but having something that catches the eye, like, you know, um, some color, uh, if you can like get a picture of them, something yeah. that really shows people that people are buying this product and that it's amazing. <laughs> that is so true, that is so true. I'd the thing which really st stood out to me there from what you were saying is the payment options. The buy with Apple Pay, the buy with um, PayPal, the buy with Google Pay. I mean, I'm an Apple Pay guy all the time and I, I, I rarely get my wallet out these days. Even when I go to the store, you know, and it's like, I was whenever I go to a store and I can't pay with the tap, you know, of my phone, I'm just mm -hmm. utterly confused now. Uh, I'm like, what do you mean I can't? I just stand like an old fool in the shop going, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And so websites are quickly becoming a bit like this. It's like, well, I've got Apple Pay and I've got Google Pay, so why do I need anything else in my life? I can just tap, a, you know, it reads my fingerprint and it's all done. Why do I, why do I need anything else? And so I think having those options are super, super important, aren't they? Super critical. And um, I really like that. Again, that one-step process, that quick and easy checkout, the ability to get out there, super, super quick. Um, on the product page then, so you start off with basic product information. We're not overwhelming people and we're giving them as much information. I think you know product pages can actually be quite long. You can give people as much information as they, they want to consume, I suppose, on that page. Um, <laughs> and if they keep scrolling, they'll keep reading. If they don't, they'll just click the button and they'll, they'll be on out of there, won't they? Um, so one of the things that has always intrigued me, Diana, maybe you've seen this. Maybe this was a Turkish lady, I don't know, the Turkish Dowley. Um, is when people, you go to their website and they have this product and it's like a cut and paste description, right? So yes, I'm selling a towel that maybe 50 other websites are selling. And I've got the same description that everybody's used because they've all copied it from the same place. You know, it's all like this very dull, dreary description. It's very vanilla and there's no personality in it. And so one of the things that um, I loved about what you said and just bringing it all back with that, that brand voice is a great place to put your brand voices in that product description uh, and have have that sort of come through, especially with the advent of chat GPT-4, sorry to hark on about AI for those of you that are anti-AI, but it can write some remarkable product descriptions in your tone of voice if you figure out the right prompts. And so actually writing something that people want to read and enjoy reading 
has tremendous conversion uh, events, I think, on your website. But if it's just the cut and paste, this is four inches by five inches. This has got 30 threads per inch. This is beige, blue or brown. And it, you know, it's machine washable at 40 degrees centigrade. It's kind of like, oh, really? Come on. Um, whereas you, you could quite easily do something that's quite fun or luxurious or just something that fits in with your values, right? Right, yeah. And like, like you mentioned, you can now use ChatGPT, which I absolutely love, um, which I can also say that with that, you also don't want to fall into the trap of copy and pasting. Like you mm. want to make sure that it's your brand voice, mm. uh, refining it, tweaking it, um, giving it direction so that it can mm. actually come out with something that is, you know, yours and not just yeah. something that is like first try chat GPT. Let me put it on the product description. Um, Cause I mean, I'm all for chat GPT, um, but you also know have to know how to use it so yeah you do it's worth taking the time isn't it one of the things as you're, as you're talking i'm smiling i'm like i'm just picturing actually because one of the things that I, you can do with chat gpt is say write this in the style of you know and you can write a famous person's name and so i was just thinking then if i owned a website that was like a british sort of <laughs> merch website you know like um we just sold british merch and you know with union jacks and all that sort of stuff i'd be tempted to go to chat gpt and say write this product description in the style of winston churchill <laughs> Do you know what I mean? just to see what it would come up with uh which i would end up no doubt tweaking but i imagine it would be really quite interesting um and have like a little cartoon church along your website or something like that um, I wonder actually if you could, I'm sure you could, you could tell Jack GPT to write in the style of the, you know, a, a sort of former Queen Elizabeth, because I imagine, or even King the present King Charles. Uh, but somebody like Churchill, I think would be quite funny. So that you can do things like that now. There's no real excuses to not do them other than I just don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, watch a few videos on YouTube and you can learn pretty much most things about Jack GPT, um, especially when it comes to writing product copy. But like you say, don't just put it in copy and paste because it does sound very corporate, very boring, very vanilla, very quickly and gets very repetitive. Um, so do play around with it. But um, no, that's awesome. That's great. Listen, Diana, that's some top tips. I've enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, it's one of those things where um, I don't get me wrong. Every guest that comes on the show, I think I just I do enjoy the conversation. And sometimes we go deep. Sometimes we get pretty advanced. And then there are times like this where it's like, I just, it's just good to go over the basics because wherever you are, um, whether you're starting out, whether you, you know you like us, you've got multi-million pound sites or whether you've got 100 million pound sites or you know, you're on Amazon selling $5 billion a year, wherever you are on that spectrum, um, these principles, these basics apply to all of us. And just revisiting your site and just going through, actually, what's our hero like? Do we offer multiple payment uh, options? Um, just rethinking of some of these things is always super, super helpful. So Diana, thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Uh, if people want to reach out, if they want to connect with you, connect uh, with what you're doing with the Shopify sites, um, find out more what it's like to raise a two-year-old, whatever it is, uh, what's the best way to, to get hold of you? Uh, so I have my website. It's uh, simpsonswebdesign.com and you can find pretty much uh, like free resources and all the good stuff on there. And then I hang out on Instagram, uh, Simpsons underscore web design. Um, and yeah, so you'll 
find some live stories on there from me and my toddler and Shopify tips. So all the goods on Instagram. <laughs> Very good. Now at the time of recording, and this might age the recording slightly, uh, threads, Instagram threads came out last night. Um, have you signed up for your threads account? I have not, but I have heard so many stories already. Uh, I'm probably going to. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is this something you're going to do? I'm really, it's really, I've signed up for the Threads account um, under my personal uh, account, as in Matt Edmondson. I say personal, but you know, my, my personal, yeah, my personal account, Matt Edmondson account. Um, and I've signed up for the Threads and I've engaged in a few conversations. Um, part of me wonders if it's going to be a bit of a fad. Jimmy, where it's here today, gone tomorrow, um, or whether this thing is actually going to take off. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of 50-50. I'm on the fence a little bit at the moment. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. But we will, of course, uh, put those links to your website and to your Instagram profile in the show notes, which you can get for free along with a transcript on the website, which is ecommercepodcast.net. Diana, thank you so much, uh, Diana. Diana, I've got a friend called Diana. She spells the name Diana, but I have to pronounce it Diana. This is why. Um, I don't know why. I just, I'm just that's just what I'm told. But Diana, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, super lovely to talk to you. Um, and it was funny because when we started recording, you were like, "My two-year-old should be napping now," but he decided to wake up sooner. I think he's been remarkably well behaved. Uh, you know, we've we've not really heard too much from him. So good on him. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun talking with you matt and i really enjoyed our conversation no it's been awesome thanks for coming on uh it's been great and as i said we will of course link to diana in the show notes so huge thanks again miss diana for joining me and also a big shout out to today's show sponsor the e-commerce cohort remember to check out uh their website ecommercecohort.com they also have free training, which I've done, I recorded. And if you are regular to the show, you may have heard me talk about this before, if this is your first time and you've made it all the way to the end, you can get access to that free training without an email. Just go and watch it at ecommercecycles.com. Uh, that's where I talk about the framework that I use to grow my e-com businesses. Some of the stuff that Diana and I've been talking about in that course, check it out. Also be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got yet more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them at all. No, I don't. And in case no one has told you yet today, dear listener, let me be the first person to tell you, uh, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Diana has to bear it. Her two-year-old son has to bear it. I've got to bear it and you've got to bear it as well. It's just the way it goes. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net. That's it from me. That's it from Diana. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.